0: Turn in your copy of the scriptures to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That is the uh, portion of scripture that Jesus was just speaking of. It's towards the end of that where we read, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? We'll talk a little bit about that a little later. But for now, look at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15. Look at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to read aloud to you different portions. And as I read in honor of God's word, would you be so kind as to please stand and read silently as I read aloud 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. This is what the word of God says to us today. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you. Which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. Now skip down to verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is we are of all people most to be pitied. I'm going to read verse 19 over once again. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Father, we come before you asking you to do what only you can do today. Lord, even as I hold up a hard-boiled egg, Lord, we're reminded that our hearts, apart from your grace, are rock hard. Lord, they are cold as ice, unable, unwilling, not desiring to receive your word. So we need you to do a work in us. Lord, even those of us who know you and love you, Lord, we do not have the ability to comprehend your truth apart from you, Holy Spirit, doing a work in our hearts and minds as the word is preached. So would the word of God today run forth for all who hear it lord would you cause hard hearts to be softened to the truth of your word lord would you remind us of the joy of our salvation and of a risen savior as we look to your word for hope and help and celebrate what you did on the third day in rising from the grave we pray this in our risen savior's name amen you may be seated This time of year in our church calendar is arguably the most special, the most precious, maybe the most holy time of year because of what it commemorates. Now, I love Christmas. I love lots of different times of years for a lot of different reasons. But if you think about the past 72 hours, okay, the past 96 hours, what we focus on over the course of the past 168 hours the past week starting with palm sunday as we look upon that final week of jesus's earthly ministry leading up to the cross and you think about what it commemorates this is a big deal in fact in the passage we just read paul makes a bold claim in just the first few verses take a look again at first corinthians 15 verses 3 and following paul says for i delivered to you As of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And in verse three, we see those words first importance. Paul calls this of of all the things he said. And Paul isn't short on words. Paul says a lot. 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament were written by Paul. And of all Paul says, of all Paul writes, preaches, and teaches, Paul says it's this, it's the gospel that's of first importance. The fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, and rose on the third day. And all of those things we look back upon in the last three days. That which is of first importance of all of scriptures we have looked back upon just in the last three three days as we celebrated Good Friday and continue to celebrate Easter Sunday. Two days ago, many of you joined us for our very first Good Friday service. How many of you joined us at the Florence campus for our Good Friday service? It was a great time of being able to look back and remember what Jesus did in a solemn celebration, right? Uh, a, a time where you would be sad, where you would be remorseful, where you would feel badly for sin and what it cost our Savior, but then still at the end, being able to wipe tears from your eyes and look at Christ and say, Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. This is the most bitter, sweet truth I've ever embraced in my life that Jesus Christ would suffer. On the cross, the physical pain of being tortured, the physical pain of dying a slow and painful death. But even more than that would be the spiritual pain of paying the price for my sin. And we look back upon that and we say, wow, that really moves me. Wow, that's terrible. But that is awesome. That is awesomely terrible. That is terribly awesome. We look back upon what Jesus did and we feel both of those emotions. Christ died for our sins. Verse three says, I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And you might have a lot of things in your life. You might have a, a top three list, top five, top 10, but there's only one thing that occupies the number one spot. And Paul doesn't say this is the only important thing he talks about, but he does say this is of first importance. This is Primary. Christ died for our sins. Now, last Sunday, if you remember, if you were here with us last Sunday, I opened the service saying all of us are to some degree, maybe you remember, burdened. Do you, do you remember I said that? When I came up, just in my opening words, we had sang a song. It was either last Sunday or the Sunday before, I don't recall. But we sang a song, and it was talking about casting our burdens or coming as we are to, to the throne, coming as we are to Jesus Christ. And I said, to some degree, each and every one of us is burdened. It's just a part of life. And some of us have burdens, but they're manageable burdens, but they're burdens. Nonetheless, maybe you, maybe you have a job. It's not the end of the world, but it's a burden that you have to bear. And it's not when you wake up, you know, wondering how are you going to manage, but it's still a burden. Kids, you, you, maybe you, you go to school and that's, that's a burden, but for the most part, you can handle it, right? You, you, you have school, you have school work that you do school assignments. It's a burden. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but it's still a, it's still a burden. And some of us have burdens that maybe we find hard to manage. Maybe your job less. Maybe you found yourself suddenly unemployed or forced into a career change that you could have never seen coming because of circumstances beyond your control. Maybe you're finding it hard to make ends meet financially. Maybe you're in college and you're still unsure of what you'll you'll do when you get out of college or if you'll ever get out of college because of how things are going this semester. Maybe maybe while I'm battling congestion, you're battling a life-threatening illness of pain and suffering that perhaps even still to this day goes undiagnosed. We all have burdens. We come into here today bearing burdens that are not uncommon living on this side of heaven and on this side of the fall. So what do you do about them? Is it really possible that one pastor on one Easter Sunday can give you hope for whatever burden, whether it seems manageable or too much to bear? Is it really possible that that's the angle that this pastor is going to take? Like say, okay, now I know you have these burdens. I know you have an undiagnosed illness. I know you have, you don't know what the future holds. I know you're worried about that wayward child, but Christ is risen. Let's all close in prayer. Father in heaven, is it really, is that really the angle that he's going to take right now? Well, here's, here's where I'm going with this. I want you to realize something about Good Friday. And I want you to realize something about Easter Sunday. And this is simply it. Whatever you fear, whatever you struggle with, whatever you find yourself worrying about, please know this. You must know this. That the worst thing that could ever happen to you has already happened to you in Christ on Good Friday. That's, that's confusing, I know. But let me say it again, just so it's a little more confusing, then I'll explain it. The worst thing... That could ever happen to you has already happened to you in Christ on the first good Friday. Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 15 and turn to Galatians chapter 2. As you turn there, I'm going to say it again and follow it up with some explanation. So turning to Galatians 2, understand this. The worst thing that could happen to you has already happened to you in Christ on the first good Friday. What do I mean by that? Well, simply this, that there is nothing that could ever happen to you that is worse than going to hell. There is nothing that could ever happen to you that is worse than going to hell. There's nothing worse that could happen to you than finding yourself in what the Bible describes literally as a lake of fire. There is nothing worse that could happen to you than eternal conscious punishment at the hand of almighty God with no means of escape. There's nothing worse than that. Happy Easter. There's nothing worse than that. But instead of that happening to me when I die, Jesus did that for me when he died. And that counts for me. So when you look at Galatians 2, look at verse 20. That's what Paul means when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. God looked at Jesus' crucifixion on the cross as if it were mine. And if you believe in Jesus and if you love Jesus today, not if you're perfect, if you've put your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, then that could, you can say that along with me and along with Paul, that I have been crucified with Christ. That God looked at Jesus' crucifixion on the cross as if it were mine and accepted his payment on my behalf as if I paid it. And therefore, I have been crucified with Christ. So, that's what I mean when I say the worst thing that could happen to you has already happened to you in Christ on the first good Friday. Of anything that could happen to you, just know it's not the worst thing that could happen to you because that has already taken place. So two follow-up questions, and we'll start with the lesser important of the two. Number one, what does that have to do with the burden I walked in here with today? What is? How does that help me with, and then you fill in the blank, how does that help me with my job that I don't know if I'm going to have, my marriage that's falling apart, my wayward child, the illness that I have that I don't know if I'll be cured of, the illness that I have that I don't even know what the name is. Well, it only helps in that it puts it in perspective. That it's not that that burden isn't real, but just as bad as we think it is or as bad as we think it could be, it helps for us to say, it's not the worst thing that could happen to me because that's already happened. Does that, does that make sense? It doesn't take it away. It doesn't make that burden any less real. So don't hear me saying, stop it. Jesus died on the cross for you. Don't talk to me about your burden. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what I'm saying. But it helps us put it in perspective because sometimes if you're anything like me, the current burden in the here and now seems all-encompassing. That, does that happen to you? Whatever I'm dealing with right now is my life. Whatever I'm dealing with, that hard situation that I'm, I'm not reconciled with that family member and it's awkward and I might have to see them soon or, or the, the job situation or the school situation or whatever I'm dealing with right now, that is all I can see. So this is just an appeal to you from the word of God to say, look, just peek over that fence. Just look look over it a little. You remember, remember in uh, Home Improvement, you know, the fence... You never did see the guy, right? Look over the, just look over the fence because you have to realize that as big as this problem is, and it's big. The worst thing that could ever happen to you has already happened to you in Christ on Good Friday. And that's a beautiful thing. Perspective. Perspective. Easter is a time of year where our, where our focusing on these things gives us fresh perspective and fresh hope. And there's more we could say about that, but I said this begs two questions, and the second is more important. So let's get to it. The worst thing that could happen to you has already happened to you in Christ on the first Good Friday. What does this have to do with my burden? It gives us perspective. But what does this have to do with Easter? Because really, thus far, I've preached mostly about Jesus' death. You might come in here and you're saying to yourself, self, I thought we were going to celebrate the fact that Jesus is like not dead, alive. Well, let me explain. Turn back to 1 Corinthians 15, where we started. Last night, we were eating breakfast for dinner. Do you do that? Amen. Who That's right. <laughs> Anything for bacon, huh? Yeah, breakfast for dinner. We do that from time to time. And, and as we were eating, we asked the question that is worth asking today. And it was just a conversation we were having around the dinner table, myself and my kids and my wife, and said, would it really have mattered if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? Uh, with it fresh in our mind of what Jesus did for us on the cross on Good Friday, the fact that he died on the cross means he died for our sins, that the, the, our death's been paid in full. Would it have really have been the, the end of the world if Jesus absorbed the wrath of God for our sins and then... He died and he was buried. Would that have been terrible? I mean, hey, we could, upside, we could visit his grave. We could visit his grave, stand next to his tombstone. Like, who doesn't want to Instagram that? We, we could, if, if he doesn't, if he died, if we could go and we could visit his, we could visit his tomb. And, and like, wow, he's in there. Like, how cool would that be? So, so Justin brought up a very good point. He said, well, people probably steal his body. I said, yeah, you know, thousands of years. Surely that, 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 that may happen. That's a good point. That might happen. That can't happen because he has risen from the grave. But would it have been the end of the world if he, if he died? And we just look back upon what Jesus did for us, the life he lived, the death he died, the wrath he absorbed, and there's his, there's his grave. Well, let's look at some of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 about how big of a deal that would be if Jesus still had a grave. So look at verse 12. Verse 12 says this, now if, pri- if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can, you, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So what the, the church at Corinth was wrestling is not that they were saying that Christ didn't rise from the dead, but that there is no such thing as resurrection for the dead. So therefore, Christ didn't rise from the dead. So the church at Corinth was not saying, no, no, we believe that people rise from the dead all the time. We just think your guy didn't. He's saying, no, there's no resurrection of the dead. There's no resurrection of the dead. The dead is the dead. That's it. There's no resurrection of the dead. And therefore, Paul says, well, wait a second. Hold on. If there's no such thing as resurrection from the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised from the dead. Pick it up in verse 13. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. For we're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that Christ, that the dead are not raised. Now, look at verse 16. Once again, he says, for again, if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Now, look at verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Why? Why? Jesus died on the cross. I thought, I thought it's his death that, that paid for my sins. So why would my faith, if I put, I can put all my, all my trust there, all my eggs (laughs) in that basket. I I can, I can do that. What's the big, what's the problem? Why would my faith be futile? Maybe that's something that you would think. Why does Paul go on in verse 17 to say that my faith is useless? And then he goes on to say that if Christ hasn't been raised, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, in other words, those who are in Christ, Christians who have died, then they also have perished. Wait a minute. I thought the cross would take care of that. Then he rounds out this portion of scripture by saying in verse 19 that we're the most pitiful people in the world if we don't have hope in the next life. We're the most pitiful people in the world. Do you see that in verse 19? That's what he says. If... In Christ, we have hope in this life only. We are of all people most to be pitied. Well, think about what you know from other portions of scripture that we won't turn to right now, but I'll quote to you. And maybe, maybe you've never heard them or maybe they're familiar to you. Uh, Remember what Paul says elsewhere in the book of Romans chapter 623, that the wages of sin is, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, sin and death. Or elsewhere, James, the apostle and the biological brother of Jesus says this in James chapter uh, 1 and verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. See, there's this connection. There's an inseparable link between sin and and death. So at the end of the day, watch, stick with me at the end of the day, if Christ dies for our sins, that's great in that he bears the punishment that was due us. But answer me this. If Christ stays dead, who really wins? If Christ stays dead, who really wins? If Christ dies and stays dead, he loses. And death has the last laugh because he would pay the penalty for sin on the cross, die a gruesome death, absorb the wrath of God, and then rot in a grave. If Christ stays dead, who really wins, Christ or death? The answer is death. But read just one more verse. The very next verse in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says in verse 20, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam we all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Death doesn't win. We don't fear death. I'm so glad Jesus said that before. We don't fear death. And granted, when we think about death, I like how you put that. Like the first thought that comes to our mind is, ah, we do fear death. I mean, it's not something we love and embrace. But I think you said two thoughts later, we remember, oh, yeah, Jesus, right? Oh, yeah, death is still not something we're running towards. But we, at the end of the day, don't have to fear death because death didn't win. Christ won. And that's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. Death doesn't win. We don't fear death. And so this is also true, that, like I said earlier, the worst thing that could happen to you has already happened to you in Christ on the first Good Friday. With that, the best thing that could ever happen to you has already happened to you in Christ on the first Easter Sunday. The best thing that could ever happen to you has already happened to you in Christ on the first Easter Sunday. Ephesians 2 says, beginning in verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us what? Alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And verse 6 says, raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And you might read that and you say, "Uh, I have not been raised up anywhere. I'm not seated. I'm seated in my car, stuck in traffic on a bridge. I'm I'm not seated in any heavenly place at all. But do you see how Paul writes that? He writes that present tense because it's as good as done. He writes that to the church of Ephesus saying, here's what's already been done. This is what's going to happen. He's already raised us up. He's already seated us there. We've got seats. We don't have to worry about finding a ticket. We're there. We're there, right? We don't have to scalp. We're going to get in. We're going to have a seat in the heavenly places. We're going to get in. It's as good as done because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Romans 6 and verse 4 says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was what? raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. The worst this world can throw at us is death. The worst this world can throw at us is death. Why are we so terrorized by what we see in the news, particularly as it relates to ISIS? It's because they kill people, right? I mean, That's obvious people die. Why are we terrorized by the things that we see happening in our world? It's not because we're so concerned about the world and the globe or we're so concerned about, I mean, there might be other secondary and tertiary concerns, but the bottom line, the thing that gets us the most the thing that gets our attention the most is, oh, we might die, right? We might die. The war on terror. We might die. ISIS. We might die. People die. People flee tons and tons of refugees. Why? Because they don't want to die. That's the worst thing this world can throw at us. It's a big deal. But the meaning of this weekend is that the worst thing that could happen to you for eternity is spending eternity in hell And Jesus did that for you on Good Friday. And the best thing that could ever happen to you is escaping death. And that's already guaranteed to happen to us because of what Jesus did in rising from the grave on Easter Sunday. That's one of the reasons. We don't have time to get into it. But one of the reasons that we would be the most pitiful people on earth. And Paul in particular is saying we'd be the most pitiful people if we don't have hope beyond the grave. He's saying because we're we're literally falling on a sword for Jesus Christ. We're dying. We're willing to die for him because we don't fear death. We're willing to do these hard things because we don't fear death. Because the worst thing this world can do is kill us and then we'll be with the Lord. Right? So he's saying if we don't have hope in Christ beyond this life, we're the most pitiful people. Because we know that we don't have to fear the worst this world can throw at us, which is death. And that's why later on we see the words that we spoke, we, we focused on before as we sang. Later on in 1 Corinthians 15 in verse 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And then there's that, the, I, I pictured it as like chest bumping, chest bumping at the playground. I don't know, urban thing, I don't, just, but just, hey, death, where's your victory? Like, boom, like, where's your, hey, death, where's your sting? Oh, your death, Woo. he rose from the grave. So it's like, what, what, where's your victory? What, there is no victory. death, you have no victory. You have no sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He won, he is risen, he is risen indeed. And that's why we celebrate. I want to ask our worship team to come back to the stage as we prepare to worship the Lord through song again. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the worst thing that you're concerned about right now. That very real burden, that very real re- very re- real reality. The world gives us plenty of reasons to be concerned. But the worst thing that could ever happen to you has already happened to you in Christ on the first Good Friday. And the best thing, the best thing that could happen to you has already happened to you in Christ on the first Easter Sunday. And that's why we sing songs that say things like, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, every fear is gone. That's not just warm and fuzzy talk oh this sounds sweet this makes me feel all nice inside no no like literally because he lives i can face tomorrow what i'm concerned about tomorrow is is more manageable and easier for me to face even if i don't have the answer because christ lives and that which has the worst that could happen to me has already happened he absorbed that i know we say things like i know he holds my life and my future in his hands That's the hope of Easter. That's why we come together to celebrate a risen, risen Savior who is no longer dead. He died for people like you and me, but now is alive and seated and ruling and reigning forever, forevermore. Would you stand as I pray? Lord, these truths, these realities... we do well to look back on them and remember because all we like sheep have the tendency to go astray. We are all prone to wander, as the hymn writer says, prone to leave the God we love. And Lord, we look back upon these days and commemorate what you have done for us by dying for us and by rising for us because we want to celebrate and we don't want to be short-sighted. Lord, we don't want to be consumed with what we have in this life alone. We need perspective and we need hope. We need help. And Lord, we are so grateful that we can look to a risen Savior. Lord, that he doesn't have a grave to visit. That he doesn't have a place where his body is. But because he is seated next to you, he is alive. We have hope for life after death. And we say, hallelujah, he's alive. Hallelujah, The lamb has overcome. So Lord, would you drive that home to us? Would you cause that joy to well up inside of us as we celebrate life beyond the grave because of Jesus Christ? Thank you for hope. Thank you for help. In the risen Savior's name I pray. Amen.